0: Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Al-Hassan. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstroh. That's Amin Al Hassan. I mean we have a trade. CJ McCullum, Damian Lillard, one of the longest tenured backcourts in the NBA. Dame and CJ just never looked like they were ever gonna break up. But finally, after several years. The interim GM in Portland has traded C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I, I tweeted this out earlier. It feels like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air standing in the room when they're moving out Uncle Phil's house. And he's just looking around like, man, end of an era. Damian Lillard, what's going on in your opinion in Portland right
1: now? We know that Joe Cronin, after the deal that sent Norm Powell to the Clippers, said the reason why he did it was because he valued the cap flexibility they got out of it. And this deal follows that very closely, Tom. You got out of three years, $100 million remaining after this season for CJ McCollum's deal. And instead you've got Josh Hart has a 0% guarantee on next season. You got Sadoransky, who is a free agent after this season. And you got Nikhil Alexander-Walker who has one more year of his rookie scale that after this season.
0: To figure out what you want to do with him,
1: yeah. The good news is their projected cap space is $35 million. It could be as high as $47 million to go spending. The bad news is, Tom, we've done this before, Portland in their history has never signed a free agent that was worth mentioning.
0: I mean, yes, 2016. How? Who could forget the summer of 2016? The Blazers with significant cap room, as reminded by Mark Deeks, um, over in the uh, in the UK, he reminds us that they gave out $400 million to CJ McCollum, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, and Festus Ezeli. $400 million. So I can't believe that this is ramping up for a huge free agency pursuit. I think there's something else going on here, I mean, which is, I think they're for sale. I think Jody Allen, who is the sister of the late Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft, who owned the team and then passed away a few years ago? Has been running the show in Blazer, in the for the Blazers in his absence. She is running also Vulcan Sports and Entertainment, which is a Seattle-based uh, you know company that she and Paul Allen founded years and years and years ago, and she controls the Seattle Supersonics. Sorry, and she controls the Seattle Seahawks as well. Let's just rewind here, I mean. So on media day, September 27th, before the season, Blazers CEO Chris McGowan said, when asked about Jody Allen's commitment to the city, commitment to the team, to keep it in Portland, he said, Jody Allen is super competitive and wants to do better on and off the court. She's always involved in major decisions. And on the potential sale, McGowan said, the team's not for sale. We operate like that. We're looking long term. She's supportive of that. And then a month later, Chris McGowan resigned.
1: Breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. Dun, dun, dun. Sprinkle them out there, Hansel and Gretel. We know what's happening in less than a year, basically, since those comments. The president of Vulcan Sports resigns. Yep. The president of basketball operations, Neil O'Shea, is fired. Yep. And now we've got all of the important figures on the Blazers, not named Damian Lillard, have now been jettisoned. Man, let me tell you something. I know a fire cell when I see one. And this ain't a fire sale of players. This is a fire sale of the whole damn shebangy
0: bang.
2: Oh my God, we're having a fire sale. Oh, the
0: burning! Right, I mean, like they didn't announce that there was a new president. It was a promotion, an internal promotion. Like the same thing with with Joe Cronin is they didn't say, hey, look, Neil O'Shea's out, but we're going to bring in Sam Presti. Or we're going to bring in... Uh, another executive in here to run the show. No, they're just promoting internal candidates into that position, which, you know, when a team is trying to save costs, that might be one way to do it, is not to shell out millions of dollars for a new big-time GM. They just promote Joe Cronin. This is the perfect sell job,
1: right? If I'm trying to sell my franchise, I'm going to potential bidders and say, oh, but you're in Portland. Not a big market, kind of out there. I don't know. I don't know. I want to shell that kind of money for Portland. I said, what if I told you you're going to have a superstar, a bona fide international superstar under contract wanting to stay, but everything outside of that is at your disposal. The contracts beyond this season are mostly expiring. You get to pick your GM. You get to pick your president of business operations. And by the way, you probably get to pick your head coach. Chauncey, I love you, but Chauncey's deal is probably not one that is going to be too onerous for a new owner to get out of, right? Typically, first-time coaches aren't paid that well. So this is actually prime positioning, Tom, prime positioning. To make a deal.
0: I guess my question to you, I mean, is do you think it's more likely that Jody Allen sells the team outright to some high bidder? Or do you think that she has plans to relocate to Seattle and bring back the supersonics? Because she's already got the Seahawks, and the NBA has been rumored to be looking at bringing back the seat C- the supersonics. So, like, could she hit two birds with one stone here and just say, look, we're gonna gut the team? We're going to revamp everything once we move back to Seattle.
1: That's really interesting because Paul Allen and Jody Allen, they're from Seattle. They're not from Portland, right? Right. In that sense, their affinity is towards the city of Seattle. We know that Key Arena has been renovated and has been made uh, basically modern. It's been modernized because that's where the Seattle Kraken, the NHL team play. So now we have a facility in Seattle that we didn't have before. And then finally, this is according to NBC Sports Northwest, the Blazers lease with the city of Portland for Moda Center runs through 2025. That's not that far away, Tom. Now, I still think, I have other thought that they wouldn't be doing all this just to move the team. Because if she had any intention to move the team but keep it, well, we'd be building a team right now we wouldn't be stripping everything down for maximum flexibility. So I think that this is absolutely a sign. I'm reading tea leaves. You know, When you do this as long as I have, Tom, you learn to read tea leaves.
0: I mean, I know I kind of alluded to that this has the the makings of what looks to be a sale. But, I mean, do you really believe that the NBA has already handpicked from a a group, a cabal of shadowy figures have already figured out – who is going to buy the team from Jody Allen? Like, are you seriously are you seriously alleging that? You don't
1: think that the NBA right now doesn't have a list of prospective owners? Like when you're about to buy a house, right? You got to get pre-qualified for your loan so that when you go in and you bid in for the house, they ask you for the pre-qualification just to see if you're ready to play. The NBA probably has a system like that, I would imagine. So we don't waste anybody's time I could lead your horse to water, Tom. I can't force you to drink, though. As thirsty and parched as you are. (laughs) Think about it. Okay.
0: Maze, I feel like this is a good time. Have you heard about the Vulcan Inc.? settlement, the litigation around their former bodyguards, Paul Allen and Jody Allen.
2: You know, Tom, I'm a little behind on my billionaire (laughs) extracurricular activities. Why don't you tell me what's going on there?
0: According to SeattlePI.com, after two years of bitter litigation, the pair behind Vulcan Inc., Seattle Seahawks owner and billionaire philanthropist Paul Allen and his sister, Jody, have settled with two former security heads who accused the former bosses of smuggling bribery and sexual harassment. At least two former employees say they heard Jody Allen had smuggled ivory out of Africa in violation of U.S. and international law, though none admitted to actually seeing her do so. And then later, deposed under oath, Jody Allen and several former security Officers invoked their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination when asked about smuggling ivory out of Africa or penguin skulls out of Antarctica. Penguin skulls The penguin
2: skulls really tied the room together, did they not? There are, I said there are so many amendments in the Constitution of the United States of
1: America)
2: can only choose one. <laughs> I can only choose one.
1: I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Five, one, two, three, four, fifth.
0: She wouldn't discuss allegations that she purchased tight European cut swim trunks for the men guarding her before requesting a quote unquote fashion show. It's got to be one of the crazier NBA stories.
1: This is an owner.
0: This is the owner of one of the thirty NBA franchises being accused of, of st- or basically taking penguin skulls out of Antarctica and ivory tusks out of Africa and fashion shows with basically putting their bodyguards in speedos. It's crazy. It's crazy. But this is the
1: stuff. See now, now if Jody Allen was a hot shot shooting guard in the draft. We would have uncovered all of this information and every tweet with every lyric to every lewd song ever since the age of 12 years old. We would have had that instantly on the draft day. But here we have the owner of a team with zero mention of this. This was in the papers. I'm looking at the article right now. The Seattle P.I. is one of the most trusted and respected publications in all the Northwest, if not the United States of America. and somehow. Conveniently buried.
0: Well, I don't know if it's buried. I mean, it's public information. What do you mean it's buried?
1: Buried. Maze, had you had you heard about this?
2: I had not heard about this. This was hidden from me, the common man.
1: Hidden, hidden, and you know the best place to hide something, Tom?
2: Where's that?
0: Plain sight.
2: Oh, I thought you were gonna say behind a curtain, but I guess in plain sight's pretty good too.
0: Plain sight, baby. Here's another one. In August 2011, from this article. Inspectors destroyed 72 pounds of giraffe bones belonging to Vulcan, according to a USDA report. The security officers contend that Jody Allen had the bones smuggled out of Botswana in an operation that saw a guide questioned by police and bribes paid. Yo!
2: 72 pounds. What is that, like one giraffe? Mm,
1: Probably (laughs) less. Probably just the head.
2: It's, yeah,
0: it's probably like a half of a giraffe, right?
1: Just the neck. We should ask Ron McGill.
2: Tom, need I remind you that Dr. <laughs> Evil's first plan was Project Vulcan? And that in the spy who shagged me, they moved their headquarters to Seattle? <laughs>
0: anyway i feel like the stars are aligning here for a potential sale and i think the spin or i guess like the company line is hey we're retooling and cutting costs so that Damian Lillard can essentially go all a cart on his free agency this summer and trade options and be like, I want this player. I want that player. I want to trade for this player and my $20 million trade exception. But I mean, I kind of feel like if you're Damian Lillard, you're like, wait a minute, who's running the show here? Who am I trusting to be the steward of this next phase of this organization? Like Damian Lillard has to have so much trust in Jody Allen and Joe Cronin here. But I can't imagine he's looking at them and saying, yeah, you guys have figured this out.
1: And that's the problem. And I and I think the original part starts with who's calling the shots. Is Joe Cronin going to be the guy or is he just the guy that does the demo and someone else comes does the Property Brothers thing? And so you got to ask yourself, well, how can I trust someone who's not here yet? But then also, are we going to wait until... A sale for us to get that guy? Sales don't happen quickly, Tom.
0: No, no.
1: Even if they are pre-qualified, they don't happen quickly. So it's just a curious, curious set of circumstances here. There's another theory that I have, if you're willing to listen, if you want to humor me
0: here. I'm with you. Go.
1: So last summer we talked about, oh, Damian Lillard is going to want out. But he has to ask it because the team realizes if they just trade him, They'll, they'll never win the public back. But if he asks, then they get to look like the good guys. Well, then Damian Lillard doubled down and says, I ain't going nowhere. And so now we have this uncomfortable game of chicken that we went into the season with. Now, let me ask you this. What if the Blazers said, we're going to get this guy to ask out? He doesn't want to do it? Okay, what about now? Okay, what about now? Okay, what about now? Just completely demolishing everything around him making it painfully clear we are starting from scratch.
0: And you're next, buddy.
1: No, not your next. Do you wanna be a part of this?
0: It's almost trapping him into being the bad guy.
1: I'm not gonna force you to leave. I'm just gonna make sure everything around you smells like shit. Plaster shit all over the walls, and eventually you'll move out because you're like, I don't wanna live somewhere where where it smells like shit. I wanna go somewhere where it smells beautiful.
0: Look at what's changed. Terry Stotts gone, Neil O'Shea gone, the president, CEO gone, C.J. McCollum gone, Rocco, gone, Norman Powell, big free agency signing a couple of years ago, are gone. I don't know.
1: I don't know if Roco is.
0: <laughs> they should have. That's
1: some shit they should have <laughs> left on the wall. Like no, no. <laughs> No, no, that one's fine.
0: <laughs> All right, so they've, they've shipped out Norman Powell, Robert Covington, C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., Tony Snell in this deal. They get Josh Hart, Eric Bledsoe, Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Luzada, Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow. All of these things are basically non-gut, no, no long-term money being added except for Eric Bledsoe's contract next year.
1: But it's not. But Eric Bledsoe's contract is guaranteed – for only $3.9 million out of the 19. He's absolutely going to be gone. The only one that I'm thinking might stick around is Josh Hart because that deal's a good deal for him and he's a good player.
0: Yeah, but if you're going to do a teardown, I kind of feel like a lot of teams right now could use Josh Hart, like the Utah Jazz or. Oh,
1: a flip? Yeah. If I'm tearing down, well, I guess we'll know if they flip Josh Hart with their. Because it's the other thing other people have pointed out all those names that they acquired. Bledsoe, guard. Hart, guard. Sadaransky, guard. Winslow, guard forward. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, guard. Keon Johnson, guard. That's a lot of guards, man. That's already adding up to Ben McLemore and Dennis Smith Jr. and Anthony Simons. They've got like 8 million guards and uh, not much of anything anywhere else. And again, as I said, you look at who's on the books following this season. Damian Lillard at 42-5. Then you go, Simons is a restricted free agent, but expect them to stay, keep him. You got Winslow at 4-1. You got Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 5 and some change. You got Keon Johnson at 2-7. Nas Little at 4-2. Didi Luzada at 1-9. And Greg Brown third, excuse me, at 1-5. So basically, you don't have any money that's bigger than a, Rookie-scale amount past uh, Damian Lillard. That's a lot of flexibility. But the question is, what can you get done with that? Who are you trading for? You're not going to sign anybody. Let's let's get that one out of the way. Like I said, we we did this on the pod a few months ago. I, I believe the biggest free agent signing in the history of Portland, going back to the 80s. It's Carmelo Anthony? No. Dude,
0: I'm telling you, free agent signing, not trades, free agent signings. Yeah, cuz Evan Turner was traded there. Yeah. This is, this is nuts. And uh, when you put it that way, that's crazy. Cause look, it's being sold as it's, they're getting $60 million potentially opened up in these trades for free agency. But like, I, I can't imagine Damian Lillard is going to say, yeah, yeah, come on over here. We've got, um, yeah, I'm not too big of a fan of Chauncey Billups. No, I don't Joe Cronin, great guy, but you know, he's not, he's not, uh, Masai Ujiri. He's not Sam Presti. He's not, uh, executive, you know, elite executive, big, big name out there
1: here's some names by the way let me give you some names right that that rival this Kenny Anderson I guess would be the biggest one Kenny Anderson came uh following the 96 90 uh, or, excuse me starting the 96-97 season he had just played four years in uh New Jersey and then half a season split half the season in New Jersey and Charlotte he had averaged that season before 15 points and eight assists a game decent right And then he goes to Portland as a free agent and averages 17 and a half points and seven assists in his first year. So Kenny Anderson is the high watermark of your free agency exploits as a franchise. Think about that. It's not going to happen. This is they're just cutting costs. And again, this is a team that has money, great attendance. This isn't a wherewithal thing. Nobody wants to go there. The last guy I think who actually wanted to go there was Damon Stoudemire, and that's because he's from there, and he was a trade as well.
0: So does this matter? Do you think that this comes to a head before the trade deadline? I mean, the Ben Simmons, James Harden talks, like. do you think that Jody Allen is – trying to push out Damian Lillard so that they can get a younger star in Ben Simmons? Like, do you think that is more appealing long-term to a potential investor or to potential buyers, having Ben Simmons situation, a younger player, 25 years old, versus Damian Lillard? Is that going to be more appetizing? Well, I mean, I don't know.
1: I don't think Ben Simmons is is an option now. Not not for Portland. What do they have to offer? Damian Lillard. You could have done that months ago and, and had a team for Ben Simmons to actually like flourish with.
0: I don't know, I kind of feel like the Damian Lillard Ben Simmons thing should be talked about more than it's probably given light to given the fact that they're they're they're, they're bringing this down to the studs. They're bringing this down to the studs.
1: It's the ultimate catch 22. As long as Damian Lillard believed he had a chance, he wasn't going to agree to get traded. So what they do, they try to remove all that certainty from his mind by stripping down the team. So now that he's re- he's ready to do it, but now you don't have the stuff that would make sense for for Philly. Philly's not looking for cap relief. I mean, I guess they are if they're throwing in Tobias Harris, but they still need players to play, right? They still need something to help them. And if that thing is Damian Lillard, then you got to ask yourself, well, what does Ben Simmons have to look forward to? And if it's like, oh, we can build around him, then why don't you just do that with Damian Lillard?
0: Well, because Ben Simmons is a lot younger and I think maybe a little bit more appealing from a potential investor is just like, all right, Well, instead of it, I mean, it's crazy we're saying this about Damian Lillard, but like Ben Simmons has a future in front of him. Maybe not the same heights of Damian Lillard, but saying, hey, if you want clean slate free uh, organization, like the books are clean. You got a star player. He's 25 years old, completely changed his PR, his his change of scenery and everything about – his brand and Ben Simmons, you can start fresh, completely fresh. You don't have to build this in the mold of Damian Lillard's vision. You can do it in your own vision with Ben Simmons starting from scratch. I'm not saying it's going to happen. What I'm saying is, I mean, if this all comes to the head in the next 24 hours, man, that would be nuts. But like Damian Lillard, I guess the question for me also is, shouldn't this happen, That the CJ McCollum thing happened several years ago? I mean, like I like the loyalty aspect. I feel like in the NBA, we talk about Damian Lillard's um loyalty to the organization and CJ McCollum like it's okay to not win championships every year as long as you know you you give the fans a good product something to cheer for and you and it, I think it's probably underrated in this league is having fans root for the same players year in and year out I just kind of feel like it got stale and the CJ McCollum Damian Lillard partnership really good regular season and then the postseason except for that one year a couple years back has been a disaster
1: So C.J. McCollum, they doubled down on him after the 2016 playoffs where they lost to the 72-win Warriors in five games, right, in the second round. So you get your first-round win, and you get another one, and you say, you know what? He's been good for us. We've done well. Boom. Give him this extension, right? Uh, And so a couple of years later in 2019, what happens with the Blazers? That's the year they go – to the, the conference finals and they reward C.J. McCollum that summer again with the current three-year $100 million extension that he's about to start starting next year. That's where I think they should have pumped the brakes because he was he's still under the original contract
0: right now. <laughs> like, think about that. They extended him three years, $100 million, several years down the line. Right. Like, they didn't have to do that.
1: There is there's a point where you say, hey man, we're just trying to figure things out, blah, blah, blah. And it's not like, oh man, I can't believe I only have two years left on my deal, or three years left on my deal, right? Because 1920, 2021, 20, yeah, yeah. Yeah, three more years left on his deal at that point when they when they did that extension. So there's a level of why did you jump the gun on something that we question. Whether it works or not. And the only reason you can look at it is like, oh, because we did well in the playoffs that one time. That's never a good reason.
0: All right, Maze, are you a cook? Do you like to cook, get in the kitchen, and get your hands dirty? I've been known to pack
2: my knives, Tom. I slice and dice. I saute. I flambe. I do
0: it all. See, this is the real irony of me being obsessed with Top Chef is I am not a chef. I am not a cook. Kevin's the chef, he's the one asking all the contestants, hey, like I need a little tip about how to sous vide this or do you recommend grilling? Or like, what do I do with shiitake mushrooms, right? I have a wonderful wife who is the chef, the cook, and I gotta tell you something, Maze. I was a little worried about these delivery meals or home delivery meals, cause I love my wife's from scratch cooking, but we've got two kids. I've got the NBA coming on at 7, 7.30 at night. I need things to be fast and I need low maintenance meals that taste great. And HelloFresh, let me tell you something about HelloFresh. HelloFresh has been a lifesaver with these two little gremlins running around the house because every minute is precious to getting a good meal onto the table. We like to have high quality ingredients, like to taste really good. You don't want to always do the whole like frozen food, throw it in the microwave. HelloFresh is so good, man. Have you had HelloFresh before, Maze?
2: I love HelloFresh because just like you said, Tom, cooking is great. I love cooking. There's nothing better than a well-cooked meal, but the time commitment is serious. You got to get the right amount of ingredients. You got to go to the store. You got to prep all the ingredients. You got to get it going. And with HelloFresh, they cut that down so much. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less they even have quick and easy meals, 20-minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup. They're my favorite. It's an even faster route to put in food on the table, Tom.
0: Takeout is kind of messy because, you know, when you get takeout, you never know what you're going to get in terms of temperature. And then you got to throw it in the oven to heat it up or throw it into the microwave to heat up. No, the time it takes to get your HelloFresh going, before you know it, it's over. And it tastes great and it's hot and it's ready and it's fresh. The other thing is it's so much more affordable. And so everyone's penny pinching a little bit more these days because we're in a pandemic, especially when you have kids and you have a cat like yourself, you're spending a lot of money on taking care of your kids and childcare and cat care. So with HelloFresh, it is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. I'm Tom Haverstro and you're watching The Big Number. So not only are you saving time, but you're saving money. You can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping, which is such a chore. To actually go through the aisle with your kids running around, it's an absolute madhouse. Like I lose my kid on average probably three times a month by just going to the grocery store. It is a child hazard to go to the grocery store because you never know what happens. It's just so confusing. You don't know where they are. You're so focused on what things you got on your list, what you didn't get on your list. And before you know it, your kid's eating some cold cuts uh, from behind the counter and she's getting thrown out of the of the, uh, of the the grocery store. You don't have to worry about any of that. With HelloFresh, it's more money to put towards all of those other very important 2022 goals of yours in this new year. So Mays, Save time, save money, HelloFresh, save your sanity. Go to HelloFresh.com
2: slash Habershow16 and use code HABERSHOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Habershow16. It's America's number one meal kit.
0: Hey guys, this is John Campia. Hollywood is having a crazy news cycle this summer. It's Barbie and Oppenheimer. They're breaking records all over the place while franchises like Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones are coming up way short. The DC universe is rebooting and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is shifting focus from Disney Plus shows to the Fantastic Four and X-Men. Filming is mostly shut down because the actors and writers are on strike, but some movies and TV projects are still going forward. Can Barbie catch Mario Brothers to be the number one box office film of the year and can it be an Oscar contender? What are the can't miss TV shows coming up streaming this fall we're covering that and a whole bunch more every weekday on the john campia show podcast search for john campia that's c-a-m-p-e-a on your podcast app so i mean i did some research some tom's trivia here for you damian lillard and cj mccollum they played 515 regular season games according to basketball reference and 57 postseason games in the regular season, their win percentage was 561.
1: 561 to translate to an 82-game season. That is a
0: 46-win team. In the postseason, I mean, their postseason record together, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, 19-38, and 38, a win percentage of 333. That's not good. I'm wondering, I mean, is there a duo that you can think of that has at least 50 postseason games under their belt? That has a lower win percentage than C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard.
1: Damn, dude. I was going to say John Wall and Bradley Beal until you said 50.
0: I was curious. like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell kind of feel like are a solid comp here. Regular season All-Stars. 50
1: is the hard part, though.
0: It's 33 games for them. They're 15 and 18, under 500, 455. But that's 33 games. CJ and Dame played 57 games. Just in general, it's hard to play at least 50 games as a duo.
1: At that point, you could talk about someone who's played in the league 10 years and gone to the playoffs almost every single year. That's hard enough as it is.
2: And not getting out of the first round very much.
0: I'll give you some names here. Paul Millsap and Kyle Korver. <laughs> Do you think they're lower or higher than Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the postseason? Lower. Paul Millsap and Kyle Korver in the regular season, 641 win percentage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the postseason, they were 26 and 32 for a win percentage, 448. Wow. Much higher than CJ and Dane. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. Oh, that's got to be higher.
1: That's definitely higher. Clippers were losing the series like in seven-game series. They were three and four outs a lot of times. Yeah, that's definitely higher.
0: They were 23 and 30. For a win percentage of 434 as a tandem, Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. Comparing that to Blake Griffin, a little bit higher with Chris Paul. And J.J. Redick, a little bit higher still. 17 and 19, Chris Paul and J.J. Redick together. How about this? James Harden and Dwight Howard in Houston.
1: Oh! Oh. Oh. They went to the conference finals. The whole thing is if you go deep, you're racking up winning records, right?
0: All right, so James Harden and Dwight Howard in the regular season were 105 and 69 for a win percentage of 60%. They won 60% of their games in Houston. In the postseason, they had 28 games together for a. What would you guess their record in those 28 games?
1: 12 and 16.
0: Bingo. Bang. I knew it, man. I knew it. John Wall and Bradley Beal in the regular season, 554, just a shade below. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Sounds
1: about right. Like a 45-win team.
0: In the postseason, they played 37 games together. What was their record? John Wall and Bradley Beal in 37 postseason games together. Their record was? 10-27. and 20-17. What? <laughs> I don't believe it. They won 20 playoff games. Damn. My bad. This is not making... CJ and Dame look better. Granted, it's in the Western Conference, right?
1: And they have to play the Warriors a bunch of times. Like, is You're going to inherit some shit that just is just shit kicked all over you. Absolutely. But I think the moral of the story isn't what their playoff record was, or even what their regular season record was. The moral of the story is you see the limitations of the combination. And that's not Dame's fault. That's not CJ's fault. They're just not meant for one another. And it doesn't mean that they're bad guys or they don't get along or whatever. It just means, man, sometimes some combos don't work,
0: man. That's a real tough combo to work.
2: Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. No.
1: Can't be that low, is it?
0: DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry back in Toronto. Their win percentage in the regular season, 6.06. And in the postseason, in 49 games, Mm. right below the 50-game threshold, 50 game threshold Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan were 21 and 28 for a win percentage of 429. I still have not found someone under 40% in the postseason as teammates. That's because it's hard. And they're at 333. I have not found someone under 40% in the threes, except for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I just, I guess the point here is, It's not just the win percentage, but also the number of games. It's so rare to find someone like Damian Lillard and and CJ McCollum playing that many postseason games and not pull the plug earlier. Like, okay, here's another one. Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver, you already did that. Mark Gasol, Mike Conley. Mark Gasol and Mike Conley in the regular season, 550 win percentage, about the same as CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Also in the Western Conference. And then in the postseason, 28 and 28. An even 500 record. Granted, they had Tony Allen, they had Zebo, but still, um, it's hard to find someone with that much success in the regular season, winning over 50 well over 50% of the games in the regular season, and having that big of a drop off in the postseason. The closest comp might be, yeah, it's got to be Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. That's the closest comp that I can come up with. And they, and they played fifty three games together, and they pulled the plug. Is there anything in the past that we're missing here? John Stockton and Karl Malone,
1: yeah, or or, or Patrick Ewing and and John Starks, or I'm trying to think of like who went to the playoffs but never really did anything. Steve Smith and Mookie Blaylock.
0: All right, so John Starks and Patrick Ewing in eighty six playoff games, there were forty six and forty above five hundred. Is it Joe Johnson?
1: Okay, here we go. Mookie Blaylock and Steve Smith. Regular season, 198-124. That's a 61.5% win percentage. Postseason, 12-24, and 24,
0: 333.
1: Oh, wow. Yep, I knew it. Because Atlanta was like the poster child of we win in the regular season, we go to the playoffs, and then we lay a fart every year, second round.
0: Marvin Williams and Joe Johnson, 381. Win percentage sixteen and twenty six, but they were under five hundred in the regular season. Yeah, so throw that out. I mean, we're talking talking sixty three games above five hundred.
1: Steve Smith and Mookie Blaylock are are the are the ones three hundred twenty two games in the regular season and thirty six playoff games. That's your comp.
0: Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, four ninety four in the regular season, four seventeen in the postseason. A drop off, but like, come on, it was they only made twelve postseason games.
1: They were never yeah, they were never good to begin with together.
0: Here is one Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash. They played 40 postseason games together.
1: Definitely above 500.
0: Nope, 18 and 22. Wow, that's crazy. To the Haber Show listeners out there, please send us your suggestions here. Because, like, I I asked the one of the people behind Basketball Reference, my guy Mike Lynch, and he doesn't have a way to do this, like to search the database for this. So it really is just going person by person.
1: You asked the listeners of the Haber Show to send other suggestions. I'm wondering. Tom if they send those suggestions will it arrive at the right mailbox because we're moving that's right I mean we are taking our talents to South Beach as we launch a new NBA podcast endeavor. Under the metal Arc banner,
0: so we're doing this now. I mean, I guess we're doing this. If you've gotten this far on the Haber Show last couple of years, thank you so much to the listeners. We've had a wonderful ride from NBC Sports, and then I got cut from NBC Sports, and then we picked back up with the Haber Show, and we picked up a great acquisition in Amin El Hassan. But the time has come for a change. It's not just Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum that, you know, things need to change. We need a change of scenery. Everybody sometimes needs a change of scenery. And we are going to be launching our new NBA pod here shortly. Stay tuned. It's going to be different. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we have kind of dropped a little bit of Easter eggs here and there about what to expect. I
1: would say a couple of things for everybody to keep in mind. Number one, do not unsubscribe from this feed. There is going to be something that is coming here. It's not going to be immediate, but just wait on it. Hold on it. You know, as a count the things person that we're going to give you something you're going to enjoy and it's not going to be some wacky thing like me and Zach and Mays watching bad television shows or something like that. It's going to be something good. So just save this space in your heart and on your subscription list, but also understand that Haber show is not going to be it's not just a change in name it's gonna be a different show over there at metal (laughs) that's all i all i can tell you it's going to be a different show and dare i say it tom i think i can say this it's gonna be unlike any basketball podcast you've ever heard everybody else does podcasts a certain way hey what's happening in the news hey we got a guest today hey, well, that's going to do it for
0: us. Wait, we just did that. What are you talking shit about? I know. We just did this.
1: I'm not talking shit about it. I'm just telling you that that's not what this new metal art podcast is going to sound like. It's going to sound very different.
0: Creatively, it's one of the more exciting things I've ever done in my professional career. I'm excited for it. I mean, Maze, you're coming along for the ride, right?
2: I'll be there pushing buttons, continue to make you guys sound good. No matter what platform we're on.
0: Thank you, listeners. Appreciate you. Until next time, I'm Tom haverstro and that's Amino Hassan and Anthony Mays. Next time.
2: There is no next time. And the time before that. No!